0: Good morning to each one of you and greetings in Jesus' name. A privilege, a blessing to live life, to have health, and to be able to worship together. And as we looked at our Sunday school lesson, Jesus, this living water, I hope that we can recognize that being filled with this living water through Jesus gives us an extra leg up in light of eternity. But in thinking about that and thinking about the message of this morning, we all have different ideals, goals, and these things change throughout life. You know, as a as a youngster, I guess looking forward to birthdays, are big things. And then as we get a little bit older, one, uh, another one, one big thing is uh, getting to that point where you get your driver's license. And then there are things that progress on along. And so I want you to think about because each one of us are in a different aspect of life. We have some children here. Then we have teenagers. We have those that are further along in life, married, young families. We have some that are like our age, some that are married and some still at home. And then we have some that children are moved on. So how do you get through each stage? How do we, as people, plan for the next step? Any thoughts on that? How do we plan for that next step? Okay. Very good. Thank you. Okay Say it again? By living, for God today. By living for God today. We have to set a goal, but we have to have a vision for that goal. And all these things that you all shared are absolutely right and, and good and true. But we have to have some type of vision. To move forward. You know, just thinking back a little bit, well, a lot, when Paul and I were married and we started having children, you know, we, we had a vision that our children would listen, be obedient, and grow up to be Christian people. You know, for business, we had a vision that our business would continue to increase and improve. And other things in life, you know, we have a, a goal, a vision. But in Pro, excuse me, in Proverbs 29, verse 18, it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. What does the word vision mean? In Hebrew, the original Hebrew, it means sight a dream, a revelation, or an oracle. It means to gaze at mentally, to perceive, to contemplate, even with pleasure, to look, to prophesy, to see in the future. Webster says something in a dream or a trance, a supernatural appearance that conveys a revelation. And it also says unusual discernment or foresight where there is no vision the people perish but if we look at this word perish it means carry it means to cast off all restraint webster says to become ruined or to destroy i want you to turn with me if you will to acts chapter 10 i'm sorry acts chapter 9 and again we know this is a familiar passage this is Saul, he has, he has the zeal, he has the background, he has, he has the authority, and he is zealously doing what he thinks he should be doing. And it says in Saul, yet breathing out threatenings, this is verse 1, and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues. That if any were that if he found any in this of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And we know this familiar story. The, this zealous man, this Pharisee, this born Jew, zealous to do God's will, on this uh, he had he had a purpose in mind. And his purpose was to wipe out these people that were disciples of the Lord. And it says in verse 3, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. This man, zealous of God, had a vision or a voice, you might want to say. He had a voice that came out of heaven and spoke audibly to him. And yet he thought that he was doing God's will, God's bidding, in slaughtering these disciples of the Lord, in ridding them from this Heretical teaching, this thing that was anti-Judaism. But God in his omniscience and in his all um, yeah, in, in his omniscience, he reached down and he pulled this man that was zealous out of this world, if, if you want to say that, and and set his mind on Christ. And it goes on to say that trembling and astonished, he said, Lord, Lord what will you have me to do? And God told him what to do. And he did those very things. But if you skip down to verse 10, it says that God appeared to another man. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. And then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard many things about this man, how much evil he has done to the saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings, And the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, if I was Ananias, I'd say, "Um, I'm not sure if I want to go there, Lord. And I know that Ananias, it says here, he spoke to God. I'm not sure that I want to go here, Lord. But after God spoke to him more in this vision... It says, And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands upon him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way, as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Again, Ananias, a man of like flesh and passions as we are today. Ananias, I do not think, was a super saint, but he was in tune with God. And being in tune with God, God spoke to him and used him as a specific tool to reach out, to touch Saul, to restore his sight, And to give him some instruction of what God wanted Saul to do. He had a specific vision. A specific message through this vision. To both Saul and to Ananias. And it fulfilled a great purpose. By God speaking through or into these men. He had a great purpose and that was to use these men... To further the kingdom of God. To witness to the Jews and the Gentiles. And to share with them that you know what? There's going to be some tough times in your life. And I can imagine that Ananias reaching out. If you want to say it. To Saul at that house. Was a fairly serious happening in his life. Next chapter. Chapter 10. Verse 9. This is Peter. It says, On the morrow as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up onto the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance of a vision or um, a dream. And he saw heaven opened. He saw heaven opened, and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowl of the air. And there came a voice unto him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spoke unto him again the second time. What God hath cleansed that call not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up into heaven, up again up again into heaven. Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house, and stood before the gate, and called and asked brother Simon which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. Okay? This was after Cornelius the centurion had sent these men to Peter and then Peter was supposed to go to them and proclaim the gospel to them. Someone that was not a Jew. Someone that was not, quote, favored. Someone that they were not supposed to associate with. And yet God... Appeared to Cornelius. And, God, and Cornelius, through faith in this vision or appearing of God, sent these men with a message. I mean, with a purpose, for a purpose. And Peter, not really knowing what was coming, as he waited, he fell into a trance and also was instructed by God of something that was going to come and it says now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean behold the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate these men had a special calling but each one of us have a special calling of God. And you know, we read this as an example of men that were available, that were open to God, to God's Spirit leading. Um, they were open to God's speaking to them. And then they were open to God using them to bring about a purpose And these purposes were for the building of the kingdom. God spoke to these men through a vision, a specific message. And God is speaking to each one of us here today. And we know how that is done. It's through the preaching of the Word. It's through the reading of the Word. It's from counsel from brothers and sisters. It's through prayer. It's through the Holy Spirit. It's through our conscience. Do we have unusual discernment? Thank you, brother. Do we have unusual discernment because of the Spirit of God working in us? I don't know if I shared this with you all before, but I met a man out at the park, dream come true, a number of years ago. And as I shared with this man, he shared with me that he had a vision from Jesus. It was Jesus appearing to him. And he had never, from what I understand, had not known about Christ. And yet, because he was somewhat searching, Jesus appeared to him in a vision. And I don't remember all of the details, but... From what I understand, this vision invited him to come to Jesus. To accept Him as Lord and Savior. And this man responded to that and became a Christian. And because of that response, because of that seeking, because of that vision, then he was able to reach some other people, even in his own family, I believe, if I recall correctly. And probably is being used by God today as He is available. So do you and I have unusual discernment? As we make decisions in life, are we able to see through some of these decisions? See through the consequences of good or bad through some of these big or small decisions? What is your vision personally? What is your vision for your family? What is your vision for life in general? What do we think about? What do we talk about? Where do we go? What is your vision for today, tomorrow, next week? Next year, five years, 20 years from now. Or even the end of life. And I appreciate what Jonathan shared the other week. In his sharing about gasping for breath. He said, uh, if I can remember correctly, he wasn't really thinking about getting prepared for eternity. He was thinking about getting that last breath. And you know, we often hear people say, well, I'll make peace with God sometime. That sometime is right now. We live in a society where where the mentality is, if it feels good, do it. Instant gratification. And I know that you know and we all know that this type of mentality tends to rub off on us. And so we need to constantly remind ourselves or be reminded of a vision, personally, collectively. Because if we don't use it, we're going to lose it. We will perish. Proverbs again says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Life here is but a vapor. And we know that. And you know, I'm 55, and I think, how did it get here so quickly? And I know that some of you young people are saying, he's old. But it's amazing how quickly this life has just blown on by. And yet, I recognize that one day, I myself personally will stand before a holy God and he is going to say, let's give an account here, brother. What will we choose today? Will we choose to follow God or are we going to choose to follow the feel good instant gratification crowd? The Bible says we're going to give an account for every word, every deed. Are we conscious of all that we say or do? And this message is to myself because I want to first off recognize that I need Christ in my life. I need brother's counsel in my life. I need my wife and and our, our family's admonitions in my life because there are times where I don't always do everything as I should. But when we do fail, what is the best way to fix it? To confess it, to acknowledge it, and to ask for forgiveness from God and from others. If we can envision Jesus Christ... By our side. In every aspect of life. How would my life change? I think if we could envision Jesus standing physically by our side. I think maybe some things that we do, say, read, look at, go, whatever it is. Maybe it would change a little bit. But he is here. He is seeing. And whether we like it or not, we will give an account. And so again, what is your vision for life today, tomorrow, in the years to come? We not only have to have a vision for ourselves, we have to have a vision for our families. We need to have a vision for our church community and people. But we need to have a vision for those that are further reaching than just our church doors. We need to have a a vision for those in our community. Jesus told His disciples before He ascended, Matthew 28, we know these verses oh so well. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Paul and Hannah were speaking with someone just recently. Someone in the community. And this person said to them, they have a new little baby, they would like to have some type of Mennonite, and I would say Christian, influence on this child's life. And these people that they were relating to would not seem to have the same values that we share or embrace. But yet there was something attractive to that type of lifestyle, to them. In having something of that maybe rub off, if you want to say that, on this child. And influence more is caught than taught we know that and so we can preach till we 're blue in the face but if we don't live it out is that really saying what we want to say sometimes we need to pay a special pay attention to some of the special needs in our congregation and sometimes we just need to Do it. Don't wait for someone to ask, but maybe you can volunteer and then be a cheerful worker. And if you were to uh, rate your availability, your attitude, your work ethic in your home, in your church, in your community, maybe even at school, How would you rate yourself? Maybe how would others rate you or me? Are we someone that is ready and willing? Are we someone that goes the extra mile? Are we someone that is all in? I believe that Jesus was one of those. His life was one of being all in, a servant His vision was to glorify God the Father. His vision was to accomplish the task that God had given him, even though it meant one of the most gruesome, painful, horrible deaths that any one person could ever face. And yet, he was all in. He was committed. And his vision was to be a tool, a vessel... To glorify God the Father. And to offer salvation to each one of us. He came as a servant. In Matthew chapter 20 it says, But Jesus called them unto Him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them, upon them. But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came, not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Not only to glorify God the Father, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom. John 17. These words spake Jesus, and lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified Thee on the earth. I have finished the work which Thou gavest Me to do. And now, O Father, glorify Thou Me with Thine own self with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was. Jesus came to accomplish a task. He had a vision, a goal in mind. And He was all in. And God the Father gave the greatest gift that anyone could ever give. And we have been enabled as people under the sound of the gospel, basically all of our lives, to partake of that great gift. Are you an ambassador for Christ? Do you represent Him as a servant? Or do you represent another kingdom that wants to be served is your desire my desire to glorify God the Father or for people to say hey look at me what is your vision as we look at our church fellowship I appreciate our church I appreciate our standards I appreciate those that we commune with, those that we worship with together. A Bible-believing, Bible-practicing, thats to me, is ideal. What are some of your ideals for the church? Do you desire a church that truly worships God in spirit and in truth? And I would imagine that if I would poll each one of you, everyone would say, absolutely. We want a church that truly worships God in spirit and in truth. It starts with me. And you know as well, it starts with you to truly worship. Do you want a church where the Bible is taught in truth? Yes, I'm sure we all do. Dig in and teach truth. Do you want a church where there is obedience? Obedience to Scripture. Obedience to Scripture that is noticed in your life and mine. A church where there is love amongst the brotherhood. That is something outstanding. And I know through this last year, some of that has waned a little. And I think we need to step forward in that. A place where there is a true vision for those that sit amongst our pews that have not come to the knowledge of Christ, but not only just here, but those even in our extended families. But I think if we, if our vision only goes as far as maintaining as being a good bench warmer, as just showing up for Sunday morning, Wednesday, Sunday evening, whatever. If, if it is just on maintaining what we have, I think we have missed the point of the Great Commission, of reaching those that are close to us and then expanding out. If we think about Jesus in His... Um, Beginning his ministry, he started with a core group of people. And that core group of people included those men, those disciples. But it also reached into his family. And into families further than that. So what is your vision for yourself personally? What is your vision for your family, for your church, for your community For those even further out than that. I think if we can. Focus. On. Glorifying God. Embracing Christ. And then going. Out. And ministering. To those around us. Starting at home. More is caught than taught. But starting at home. I think that we can. As Christian people. Have a vibrant worshipful relationship not only with God but with those around us within our churches in our communities and it's going to be something that is going to be noticed by others and again I say this to myself but we all know that the path is narrow Matthew 7 says enter ye at the straight gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction And many there be which go in thereat. It's a wide road. And it doesn't take much effort to go down that wide road. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way. Which leadeth to life. And few there be that find it. Which way do you want to go? Do you want to focus on the narrow way? Finding Christ? And then helping others to find Christ? Do you have a vision for yourself only? Or do you have a vision that reaches further than that? What is your vision for here at our church? Are we happily keeping the law, quote, rules and discipline? Do you want your church ideals? To bring forth fruit. It's not going to happen without effort. Do you want obedience? Be obedient and encourage others to do the same. Do you want true worship? Come prepared to worship. Be active in our church, in our church services. Ask questions, answer questions, pay attention. Do you want to grow as a congregation in our love for one another? I know God wants us there. And that's something that we have to continually work on. And we need to continue to pray that that end come to me personally. Proverbs 29. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Destruction. Destruction. But the last part of that verse says, But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. May that be our challenge this day. That we can keep the law. And I'm not speaking about just church rules. But I'm speaking about keeping the law of Christ in our lives. And having a vision to reach out to those around us. To the glory of God. To the saving of our soul. For Jesus' sake. God bless you.